Hey everybody, Legs Malone here. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Lunch with Legs. Before we dive into the juicy offerings of this lovely episode featuring my favoritist Shanghai Pearl straight out of Seattle, Washington, I just wanted to remind you guys that if you are enjoying this podcast, please, you can do a couple things that would mean the world to us over here at LWLHQ. That's Lunch Legs headquarters, for those of you who don't know. <laughs> uh, for starters, you can donate to our PayPal accounts. Uh, they, we have a little button on our lunchwithlegs.com homepage. You can click on there. If all you can afford is a couple dollars, trust me, it will be put to very good use. You can also shop through our Amazon portal. As far as I know, it's working. For those of you who are regular listeners, you will know that several episodes ago I had a little bit of back and forth, but it looks like we are good to go. So there are those two options. You can also email us, lunchwithlegs at gmail.com, letting us know various ways that you would like to support us, be it through advertising, be it through sponsorship, be it through just spreading the word of this podcast and helping us out in any way, shape, or form that you may know how to. Uh, the other way is especially for those of you who are in the burlesque community or are planning on being in Las Vegas during the Burlesque Hall of Fame weekend, which is going to be June 7th through 9th, uh, coming up very soon. Dave and I are going to have an entire cabana dedicated to the Lunch with Legs podcast. So if you are out there, by all means, please stop on by. You can buy a sticker from us to help support the podcast. And uh, yeah, you can have your voice be heard on a very special dedicated episode that we'll be posting soon after Vegas once we have recovered because that vacation, one always needs a vacation followed by a detoxification uh, afterwards. It's a pretty full-on week. But anyway, uh, you guys, thank you all so much for tuning in. Your patronage and listenership really does mean the world to us, so thank you so much. I'm pretty sure those are all the ways that I am aware of that you can support us here, and please don't be shy. Um, Oh, I remember... The other one is by going on to the iTunes podcast store and leaving us a rating and a review, especially if you like us. Uh, All and rather any and all opinions, especially of the celebratory nature, are always welcomed and will do wonderful things for us on the iTunes rankings. So thank you. All right, on with today's episode. I was very fortunate to host the beautiful Shanghai Pearl this past weekend here in my lovely home in Brooklyn. She was visiting for the Asian Burlesque Festival as well as a show at Duane Park. And she is a very dear, dear, dear friend of mine. And it's amazing. It's I, I just find it always extraordinary when you have a connection with somebody and it doesn't matter how long or how short you've known that person, but you just there seems to be an eternity present in your friendship, and that's very much the way I feel about Shanghai. She is an extraordinary woman, and I was able to snatch her for not as long as I would have liked, but I'll just have to have her back. 
uh, and we talk about everything under the sun, including how we met, uh, what it's like the burlesque scene is like in Seattle, also some of the challenges that she has had as an Asian American woman. And last but not least, she talks about a, an article that she wrote about cultural appropriation uh, a couple years back that stirred up quite a lot of dialogue and discourse. And uh, anyway, you guys can just listen to the interview. I'm just, I'm so excited I wanted to give you all a little heads up. So as with all episodes, I love how this stuff just falls out of my mouth and it, it just seems to be the same stuff that I say during every episode because it just feels so good. But go ahead, pour yourself a cup of something good, get nice and comfortable, and get ready for my interview with the beautiful Shanghai Pearl. Straight out of Seattle, staying in Brooklyn for now, Shanghai Pearl, thank you so much for being on the Lunch with Legs podcast today. Thank you so much for having me, Ms. <laughs> Legs Malone. It's an oh. absolute pleasure. Oh, shucks. It's been such a pleasure having you. I, I love that I've had you all to myself, well, proverbially speaking, um, what, during your Brooklyn jaunt, your New York City trip. Um, you've been here for just a couple days now, and then you, you're off to Seattle this afternoon. Yes been really wonderful. Oh Your home is goodness. a sanctuary. I love it so much. Thank you so I love much. You so much. Oh, I love you. When, for the listeners, you have to understand Shanghai and I had a very unusual and We're beautiful meeting. We're totally soul sisters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we met at BurleyCon in 2010. Yeah, it was my first BurleyCon I went to. I think it had started the year prior. Oh, okay, maybe the second. Um, and uh, we got to do a gazing, a soul gazing exercise with each other. For like 11 minutes. Yeah, it, it was pretty amazing. For 11 minutes. And I had never met you before. That's I love true. that we got to meet by staring into each other's souls. And we didn't kill each other. <laughs> we just fell in love. It was amazing. <laughs> uh, well, we are so lucky to have you for the few days that we have had. I'm a um, lucky one. Oh, my God. It's been, I can't wait for you to come back. For anybody who has not seen Shanghai Pearl in action, get on the internet init- immediately. And, uh, no, can, don't watch on the internet. Don't okay, watch fine. Don't watch on the internet. Go watch, to see her one of her shows. Watch in real life. Internet, yeah. Internet burlesque is weird. It's, yeah, I have to say, I agree. It's okay for research, mm-hmm. but not for, like, the audience experience of, like, hi, I'm here, I'm doing this thing for you. Yeah, in front of your face, mm-hmm. breathing the same air that you're breathing. You don't know if I'm going to jump on you or make <laughs> out with you or hump your face or throw this at you or just stay here, you know? That's missing. You know that's not going to happen on the Internet. That's boring. That would be the next step. That would be the next step. <laughs> oh, I guess you could do, like, Oculus burlesque. Oh my god, Oculus Rift burlesque. <gasps> Get oh closer god. than you've ever been before. <laughs> I think we're on to something. Hello. There's a the there, future. there's a podcast that I love listening to called the Duncan Trussell Family Hour. And Duncan's just he's extraordinary. And actually his podcast very much inspired my doing this podcast. Amazing. I'll have to check it out. You have to send me a link. Oh you I will, absolutely. Um but he did a huge push uh like a couple months ago, I don't know if he's still doing it, but he really wanted to do Oculus Rift World um, and do a whole thing where you know they program up this whole thing. Like you can virtually step into the podcasts, watch them being recorded, and like just all of this really really cool stuff. And it's like, yeah, we should say there should be a burlesque club, and there should definitely be yeah. that whole thing. Be able to you know literally watch it as if you were there, you know, in the virtual reality. I guess that'd be like the peep shows of the future, right? Peep shows of the future. In tomorrow lands. 
legs, legs, legs for days. I think I think we're I think we're talking we're talking some reality right here. I like this. Let's manifest that okay, stat. Let's do it. I think there's still that piece missing of like, well, you're still in your your home with the there's still something missing, but it'd be pretty cool to get real close. Absolutely. There God, there was an amazing movie years ago. I mean, it might not be amazing. I thought it was amazing when I watched it. I can't even remember what it's called, but it had like these things that people would put on and it would take over their entire sensory capacity. Is this a movie or is it? It was a, a movie. Okay. I'm totally forgetting. I, I know someone listening right now is being recall? like, da, 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 da. no, I wish. <laughs> I fucking uh, love Total Recall. It's so bad. Um, brain scan? I can't even remember what it's called, but it's, I can't, I want to say it was like, Samuel Jackson or Lawrence Fishburne, like there was some like strong black man in the lead, but then there was like a some blonde white woman who I don't know something was happening to her anyway. And so there was this whole like nefarious backstory uh, maybe about like Sphere? was it maybe like Michael remember. Crichton something or other? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, it was this this like sort of spiny thing that people would put on their heads and it would overtake all of their senses, so they would see, smell, be able to touch like everything. So it was that next mm. that next level. Um, but that only exists in movie land right now. We'll see. Or we'll in see some very happens. rich person's home. <sighs> Dear yeah. rich person. Dear rich person, <laughs> stop holding on to all the technology. <laughs> Love legs in Shanghai. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want Google Glass. We want this other thing. We want we want it all. Google Glass. Oh my God, is that all over? Because you're in Seattle. Are people wearing Google Glass in Seattle? I've run into it like maybe once or twice. I don't. Yeah, it's not all over, but there's 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 it's some happening. Google there's some Google Glass wearers, so they are gonna put them in contacts and things too now. Oh my fucking god! I mean, it's, of course they are. Of course they are. That's I guess I don't know if it's already. I'm sure it's probably already out. I'm sure the CIA has had it for like ten years. Yeah, right. But yeah, Google Glass. It's weird. So strange. Super I want to do a Google Glass burlesque act now. Well, it's just that whole like lack of consent, right? Like, great, you're just part of the main culture. Like, oh, you're taking, a, you're, you're now instead of being able to look and digest us without us knowing, you can also record without us knowing. Like, that just doesn't feel exciting. That's just kind of like gross. Yeah, agreed. Totally. I and mean, there's but, something... there's good things about it too, but like that, there's technology is like going faster than like humanity <laughs> it's true it's true we created something that we were now enslaved by um i mean there's something and speaking of technology and more so like the visual culture like the, the flat screen visual visual culture that we are in the midst of which is one of the reasons why i feel burlesque and performance art is so powerful because it brings you into the moment here and now you can't press pause on it you it's know human. if you blink you miss it exactly it's, it's very human. human it's very present it's real it is it's in your goddamn face mm-hmm. um, but one of the things we talk about i mean calamity chang was actually the first person to ever say this at a show and it just stuck with me talking about how porn face is not allowed which is that like flat look by the audience because when you watch porn on the internet you know you don't have to hoot and cheer you're just watching you're a pure i, I don't know i hoot and cheer <laughs> Depending on okay. the porn, I, I should get kind say. Of like, I'm like, oh, hey, get it, girl. <laughs> get it. Oh, why Why are they doing that? Are you spitting? Well, I think it's a vagina. <laughs> I don't like this. Put something else on. <laughs> That's disrespectful. <laughs> oh, my God. I think I'm, I'm already sensing a project like, you know, watching porn with Shanghai Pearl, like, it's yes, like yes, mystery no. science, mystery porn yes, mystery. theater <gasps> 3000. Oh my god. 
Yes. <laughs> Done. When I come out to Seattle, that's happening. Okay. Um, I don't know. I might get traumatized. Like, why is that butthole <laughs> getting so big? <laughs> uh. It's conversations like this. Oh that my god, is this make... gonna get edited? This no, no, no. Is... It's absolutely not gonna get edited. That's why I always put an explicit. Like, it's like oh, attention, geez. parents. Don't let your kids listen to this unless we you want them to butthole. open their minds and their proverbial buttholes. There's a butthole warning. <laughs> God, a butthole warning on this podcast. <laughs> this is this is this is so this is I love this. <laughs> um, but I, it's funny because like I I wanted to complete the thought around like the porn face, you know, that really flat watching. But then you mentioned something initially, the consent, which I feel. pardon me, um, needs to be in our, you know, just everyday life. That needs to be something that is spoken about a lot more often, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. But it's also something, it's one of the reasons why I love Seattle so much is because you guys are not only so sex positive, but you guys are smart. And, you know, around consent, I mean, at That's Fucked Up, the show I did with uh, Randy Rascal and Heidi Von Haught back in Seattle, uh, back in February, rather, in Seattle, one of the, I mean, Ernie von Schmaltz, who's one of my favorite people in the world. Blanket consent. Oh, my God. Totally. <laughs> and like, and he was talking on stage. He's like, you know, consent. There are three rules to all sexual engagement. It's consent, consent, consent. And, you know, I on the West Coast, I think, and more so in like Seattle, Portland, like there's something about you guys over there that maybe it's the weather. I don't know. But you guys just like talk about this stuff more. And I think that they're in New York. Again, I can only speak to my experience and my perspective. People are talking about this, but only in pockets. It's Mm -hmm. not been opened up to a wider um, discourse, it seems, to my my limited perception. Oh, that's so interesting. And can you speak to that at all? I, I, that's really interesting. Well, since I don't live here and I don't have that experience here, I, I kind of assumed that that was happening everywhere just because of like Twitter and um, just the internet, the conversations were happening on the internet. And so I assumed that that was, I mean, I assume that it was happening kind of on the coasts. I don't assume that they're happening in the in middle America right. as much as they are on the coast, Absolutely. but that's really surprising to me that New York would not be as like conscious and aware I mean, there are pockets. There's certainly, I mean, the burlesque community, I would say, is probably, and there are plenty of people who are very unaware within the burlesque community, but certainly with the LGBT community, the trans communities, like, I mean, that is where that vocabulary really is a part of the, you know, regular dialogue, whereas, you know... I wonder if it's, like, the West Coast softness and, like, the East Coast hardness. I don't, I I mean, that's, like, a stereotype, and I don't know if that's... I mean, compare. Oh, just let me think about that. Sure. I feel like people, like New York, y'all are busy, mm-hmm. like really busy. We're busy too, but like I think it just, it just feels different. It just feels like you have to work so much harder to stay in this city. You have to work so much harder to be an artist in this city. Um, I mean, we work hard too, of course, but it feels to me that New York is just harder. It's more expensive. You have to work harder to make money and make it. So I don't know if it's a combination of maybe there's not as much time to have those conversations or maybe there's or not enough, uh, not as much brain wavelength, you know, because you're like hustling, you're constantly hustling. Um, But I don't know. That's my, that's like a stab in the dark theory. I mean, we, we hustle too, but I feel like we just, we're just a little like 
we just make time to talk about that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really valuable. I think it helps also that, like, um, we have really smart producers. Like, Heidi and Randy are really smart. And, and very conscious. Very conscious. And they're not, they're, we're not setting out to traumatize anyone for the sake of art. Like, we're going to make art, but we're also... You're going to traumatize with consent. We're going to traumatize with consent. <laughs> You've consented to being here. No, but it, it is. It's like you know what you're stepping into, yeah. you know? And so, um, yeah. I'm yeah, actually, sure. I interviewed Randy for episode, I think it was 14, about polyamory. Um, and it was amazing. It's to date my most listened to episode of the podcast. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, I think a lot of that, you know, that we definitely spoke about that and the definitely that Seattle, what I would call the Seattle vibe of the consent of the openness, because I mean, polyamory is certainly all about communication. Mm-hmm. My God. Um, that is a lifestyle I don't think I could ever do. It's just like, that's too much admin. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, it's too much to keep track of. I'm much happier being like monogamous, just like, all right, one person done, done. But clearly that's not the case for everybody. But going back to what you were just saying, um, I mean, who were some of the, I I feel that uh, in a lot of the burlesque scenes, there are, are, are forefathers and foremothers who really set the tone for the scene and the people who, you know, carve the path. And certainly everyone who comes after them, you know, does their part in widening it, you know, making it more colorful or narrowing it in, you know, little ways, whatever it is. Um, and here in New York, I mean, one of the parts, I, one of the reasons why I'm so happy to be not only from here, but to be part of the burlesque tribe here is our foremothers and forefathers are Dirty Martini, Julie Atlas Muse, world famous Bob, Tigger, Joe Boobs. I mean, these people are at the forefront and they're fucking, you know, they're rebels. They're badass art rebels, you know, who are so full of love for the art form and, you know, for their art and so have worked so hard. Miss Astrid, absolutely, Mm -hmm. Kate Valentine. Like, I mean, these incredible, incredible people, primarily women, um, who have, you know, who absolutely will not apologize, who have something to say and who say it from both their hearts and their crotches. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's 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 something so authentic yes. and fierce about it. And Dirty and Julie especially, Tigger will do this too when, I mean, actually Bob has said some things to me as well when I get off stage. If they see something where they sense that there could be some improvement, A, they'll always ask permission. They'll say, may I give you some notes? And if you say no, they say cool. And if they, you say yes, they will give you notes and it's not out of making you know wanting to make the performer feel small like if there's no ego like you know backstory there it's because they love the art form so much and they want the art to be as good as it possibly can Mm -hmm. so in a lot of ways that has set the tone for new york city art you know in its beautiful raw unapologetic in your face kind of way um i mean i feel that's shifted a little bit with the huge influx that's come in not certainly not in a bad way uh but it has shifted a little bit and I can't help but wonder about, and I would love to know a little bit more about, like, who started the Seattle scene? Mm-hmm. I mean, I know Indigo mm-hmm. Blue is the head of the School of Shimmy. Is that what it's called there? Uh, Miss Indigo Blue is Academy of Burlesque. Sorry, Academy of Burlesque, yes. Mm-hmm. I'd say that the the, the people that, um, the foremothers of Seattle Burlesque would be Paula, the Swedish housewife, mm-hmm. um, and Tamara, the trapeze lady, and Indigo Blue, and... Um, Kitten LaRue of the Bombshells, who came over from New Orleans. Um, I'm trying to think if I'm forgetting anyone from the early, early days. I mean, those are the four that I hear about the most. I'm going to be really embarrassed if I forget anyone. 
I would like to give a caveat that I haven't had an entire cup of coffee, so it's very, very <laughs> possible that I've forgotten someone. Um, but um, yeah, and Paula came from New York. Paula came from oh, New York. I didn't know that. And um, uh, Kitten LaRue came from New Orleans. But um, let's see. Indigo Blue, Tamara the Trapeze Lady, and a, a few ladies, for other ladies from the Lusty Lady did like a Fallen Women Follies. Oh, you know who I'm forgetting? The Gun Street Girls. Mm. They were, I, they were like back in the beginning too. And that was Bella Beretta, Vienna LaRouge. Um, but I, I think that the, the four mothers would, the, with the title of four mothers and those that were like advancing the craft and like trying to really carve out like getting paid and that, you know venues and that sort of thing producing in that way with a with a community in mind I'd say it'd be Paula and Indigo mm. and um, yeah those two so yeah, I think it's been a very strong female presence yeah, it's definitely it's the Seattle scene's amazing. We're it's a, the the community is great. People go see each other's shows, help each other out, volunteer at each other's shows, and there's such a wide range from like little bar shows to huge, beautiful shows at the Triple Door. Um, it's really amazing the range, mm-hmm. and there's just it's wonderful. I recently went and saw the Libertinis, who are um, a newer group, and it was so funny and so great like it was a it was this lovely um mishmash of dance and theater and a lot of burlesque and similar to what pinch bottoms doing in that theatrical um like burlesque in a theatrical vein it was very complete and just hilarious one of the best shows i've seen in forever wow like i was i think i was thinking this is on my mind because i last night i went to go see the show that you were in the body house the pinch bottom body house and I was like this is great this is so funny and just kind of genius yeah very smart yeah super smart yeah pinch bottom is excellent I mean Johnny's always written really quality scripts yeah loved it loved it especially when he remembers his lines (laughs) (laughs) but that's the thing I say that with love but that's the thing about (laughs) even when the lines are flubbed like that the way it goes on and it, it it's just wonderful it's just wonderful. Totally. It's real. It's, it's real. Legs. It's, it's real, real good. Role. It's real good. <laughs> now, how did you get into burlesque? Mm. Um, I, I'd, I'd I got like into know. burlesque um, through pornography. <laughs> really? Bringing it <laughs> no, back to porn. I mean, well, so here's the thing. Um, I was, I loved, I don't know why, but I was always drawn to porn, like vintage porn, like old, mm. you know, smiling ladies and uh the pinups. So vintage erotica brought me to pinups and like old pictures of burlesque performers. And through that, like investigating that, I found um, Dita Von Teese and uh, um, Teaserama. And I was like, what is this? What is this burlesque thing that's now and not like it's you know it's it's actually something I can go to. Here I go. So um, that's how I found burlesque or how it found me. I, just my how drawn I was to anything like sexual or sexy or um, naked ladies, smiling like naked ladies, big fan. Um, so I went to Teaserama in 2002, and that was my first burlesque show. And that just like wow. blew my mind. I was like, what? Dixie Evans performs there? 
in her, I mean, one of her last appearances doing an act, I don't know if it was the last, but one of the last ones, she did her little black beaded ukulele thing, Marilyn Monroe thing, and it was, I was like, what is happening here? This is like (laughs) the antithesis to an entire life of like what the media tells us as far as beauty, sex, and and women go, right? So it was, oh, sorry, can we pause for just a moment? Yeah, we'll pause it. And um, we're back. And we're back. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, Dixie Evans was there, and um, <laughs> it was just—it was just really. I was—it—I uh, was obsessed. I was like, "This is super fun." I didn't actually—it wasn't in my mind to be a burlesque performer per se, but I really enjoyed going to these shows. I was—I um, was a big fan, so I would go to whatever burlesque shows I could go to for three—three—three three, three years thereabouts. Um, I, I saw the Gun Street Girls, just what I, I saw, um, the Bombshells, and whoever, if there was a blush show, I'd be there. Um, after a while, I just really started to notice that I never, or very, very rarely, saw performers of color. In all the shows that I went to, maybe I saw like two. Um, and so I just thought that was really interesting, and that was in my personality, where if I noticed that, I wanted to find out why that was. Like, um, so I found the Academy of Burlesque, and I went to it to take the class just to investigate. It was like investigative journalism. At the time, I was going, um, I was working on being, um, what was I, what, what, what was I doing? I was, I was really into visual arts. I, was, I wanted to be an illustrator and a painter, and I was also really into fringe theater. Um, that was, and sketch comedy. And so I went to burlesque school, and I, got even more obsessed and it was like lots of little things came together and mm-hmm. um, I just decided that's what I wanted to do forever like I just loved it um, so yeah that's how I got into it and here I am today still doing it still loving it <laughs> it's, you know it's just um, it's really amazing yeah now just quickly I, I, out of curiosity when you say performers of color in my experience, that usually means uh, African American performers. Do you I, also mean? I just meant I saw the same white girls all the time. Okay. I, this, cool. Uh, that's really I just like was the curious. the the casts that I saw were always white for mm-hmm. the most part. Mm-hmm. And so I just I just was really curious why that was. Yeah. So yeah. Because you are you're from Taiwan originally. I'm I was born in Taiwan and I came to this country with my with my family when I was three years old. Wow. Holy. Wee little one. A, a tiny Shanghai. A little tiny pearl. Oh, my gosh. Oh, <laughs> so sweet. Did you guys move to Seattle? Um, actually, let's see. We moved to Arizona. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I grew up in Arizona. And then I, I've lived in Seattle for 13 years, 14 years, thereabouts. Wow. Yeah, a little bit there. Different, yes. different weather from Arizona, that's for sure. Yes. Culturally as well as actual, meteorologically. Yes. Yeah, I don't think I... It's beautiful sunsets. Hey, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I, I know that um, we only have... We have a limited time to speak because you are in demand and there are gardens <laughs> to be seen before you jet back home to Seattle. Um, but I would love to spend um, just a couple minutes talking about... An article that you wrote, when was that? Was that a year ago, two years ago? I think it was maybe two, Almost a little three over years two ago? years ago, maybe so, three years ago. Wow, so we'll call ballpark two and a half years ago. Yeah. Um, and you wrote a very well, an elo- eloquently stated article, opinion piece on cultural appropriation. 
Uh, and I wanted to talk about this because there, the, the discussion of cultural appropriation has been getting, has been brought up more frequently than ever before, and I think it is an essential discussion for all performers to be having, even non-performers, like just for Can us to open up. we just talk about up. buttholes? I'm just kidding. It's kind of the same thing. <laughs> just kidding. Shade. Okay, no. <laughs> But, Sorry, uh, I totally interrupted no, 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 no. It's totally <laughs> cool. I mean, it's 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 definitely a hot button topic, and I feel that, and I know, I mean, I would love for you to, I mean, what if you can, hot button? to brief. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> should just have the butthole button. Be but like, when button. when in when in doubt, push the butthole button. But um, I know, I mean, I know it's it is a very, um, it's a charged topic, and I'm sure it's still topic. being brought up for you because the courage that you had to write something so eloquently and from such a personal place um, took an enormous amount of bravery and courage, I can only imagine. And I can only imagine also the feedback and reactions and responses that you got from it. So to rewind a little bit, for those who are not familiar with Ardle, can you summarize it just? Yeah. Um, so I... Uh, first of all, cultural appropriation are a, a topic is something that's been happening for a long time, um, for, since before I started performing, and it's for as long as burlesque has been around, cultural appropriation has been around. For as long as and beyond burlesque, you know that this sort of th this follows the vein of exploitation and colonization and and all that. So I just want to put that out there that this is this is actually a, a, a problem that's not specific to burlesque, but yeah. actually is, is a problem in our culture at large. Um, but specific to this topic was that um, maybe five, five or six years ago, I read that Dita Von Teese was doing an act called the Opium Den piece. And it was in the press a lot that she was getting um, uh, this huge six-figure paycheck in, in, in London to do this piece. And it, this little spidey sense went off in the back of my brain that was like, does anyone else think it's weird that like the country that perpetrated the very, very, very bad opium wars is paying this white woman to do this act that's making light of this very, very bad time? Uh, this also, by the way, this very bad time where a lot of stereotypes came mm. uh, out of to, to, to denigrate uh, an entire group of people. So um, that was the first time this little spidey sense went out and went up in the back of my mind. And um, I, I never really said much about it because I wanted to see the piece. I, was, I didn't want to just be, you know, going off saying, this is terrible, without actually seeing to see if it's terrible. Right. Right. Um, so I had the chance to see the act at the show, and I did my very best to, one, prepare myself for any anything that might be very terrible, and also to be as open-minded as possible, because mm -hmm. I, I really enjoy a lot of the performers in that show, and I think that um, Dita has done a lot for burlesque, and um, I, and so... I saw the show, um, the act started, and I was immediately like, oh no, oh no, this is happening, this is actually <laughs> happening. Um, so the things in the act, the, the, to summarize the act, Dita puts on a, a mishmash of, um, of Asian things, and there's a gong, and there's bowing, and there's, um, there's an opium pipe, and it's, it was, from my personal experience, 
Um, I felt like I was just watching. The only thing that I didn't see was someone like pulling their eyes up and going ching chong. Basically, just I mean, this is my personal experience. Yeah, I'm an yeah, immigrant yeah. that grew up in a largely <clears throat> white, uh, largely white uh, community. So I dealt with a lot of racism. My family dealt with a lot of racism. So um, it, that I, if it was really, really unpleasant for me to see that. Um, so that's that's my personal experience. And then as I digested and processed the piece, and as I was hearing from my community and also other people that were there. Um, I'm not the only person that felt that way. Mm. And so I was just like, this is, I can't be quiet about it. Like, this is, this is not good for many reasons. Um, one is that Dita is, is in a position of power as a fashion icon, as a burlesque icon. Um, people seeing that are going to think that it's okay, and they're going to want to copy that, and they're going to want to perpetrate this thing that is it's pretty backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, it's if it's boring also it's it's following that line of oh cherry picking and um so it's uh not it's very it's not good <laughs> so um yeah i feel a little fluttery about this because the when i wrote that piece and my very dear partner helped me proofread it because it was it was a very emotional experience to mm-hmm. it's it taps into a lot of trauma and it taps into a lot of, um, it just taps into a lot of crap that I'm not the only person that has. Yeah. And um, a so. A lot of unresolved energies there. It's really, jeez, oh, I don't have very good, I don't have a very eloquent way of putting it. People should just read the article. Yeah, well, I'll, link, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll link to it. I'll link to it on, um, the, on the podcast page. Um. Yeah, so I'm getting a little bit off track, I think. But um, I this was the first time I had the experience of having a lot of very negative feedback because wow. I spoke up about it. And it, it there was a lot of, you know, it got really internet-y. And I was like, oh, this is, this is that thing that happens when, like, the the dominant culture is challenged or, you know, has a little, like, Hey, you know, and by the way, I, I never said that the act was terrible until this podcast. And I'm not saying it's like the worst thing ever. I'm just saying it was terrible for me to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I, I had posted something that said, I was offended by this act. And if you were too, or if you had feelings about it, here are some links to know why that may be. So I had posted some links, educational links about cultural appropriation, about stereotypes of women in the East and stereo, I'm sorry, stereotypes of Asian women in the West mm-hmm. and also um, just microaggressions and so on. Like, because this is not something that's talked about a lot. It's being talked about a little bit more now. Um, but I felt like it was important for people that wanted to educate themselves that they, that I make it easy for them to do so as opposed to just being like, oh, that was terrible. I'm going to ignore that. Um, so, oh, I had another thought, and it totally escaped me. What was it? <laughs> Anyhow. I It'll come back to you. It'll come back to me. Um, so this is the first time that I had that experience of, like, things getting really internet-y and just very, very unpleasant. 
Um, it's certainly inspired an enormous amount of dialogue. Which is good, which is really it's good. Absolutely. And I hope some good has come out of it. But, you know, the act is still being performed today. And that's, although I, you know, I heard from someone that, that had seen it that they were like, oh, I didn't see any bowing. I was like, oh, good. Maybe she took that out. That would be good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe somebody was like, yeah, the bowing's a little much, you know, or whatever. Like, um, there are there are ways to do that. Um, there are ways to appreciate a culture that is not, Exploiting. Oh, you know, I think I wanted to say a thing about um, um, why what what the specific thing that's bad or that's unpleasant about acts like that, Mm -hmm. which is that when you are a white person or when you are a person in a position of power or privilege, privilege is not having to think about a, a thing. Okay, so as a person that doesn't have to think about the two dimensionalization of your sexuality, for example, Asian women are often um, turned into two-dimensional sexual objects. The Asian culture is the Asian. The East is very sexualized and very feminized, and there and are fetishized. and fetishized. And there are um, very, very small pigeonholes like oh, the geisha girl, the uh, the wilt the, the wilting flower, or the you know the china doll. Those things. Those are very. I get called out on the street all the time. Really? Oh yeah, all the time. And everyone, every white person's always surprised by that. No Asian person is ever surprised by that. But seriously, I get that reaction wow. from my people all the time. Um, so privilege is not having to think about that and not having to deal with that particular thing. So as someone that doesn't have to deal with that, taking that mantle or taking that thing like that's pretty or that's interesting or that I'm putting that on to make money or to um, um, uh, and benefiting from it. That's Exploitation, mm-hmm. basically, of a thing that you don't really have ownership of. Um, I'm not saying no one should ever do that. I just think that if you're going to do that, you should be prepared to have the dialogue about it or stand by your artistic choices beyond, oh, it's pretty. Well, you know, but whatever. Some people just think they can do whatever they want, which their choice. It's their choice, and that's, <laughs> well, we'll, you know, that's a thing. Yeah. Um, and there's just a lot of uh, people thinking that criticism is censorship and it's not like you are free to be an asshole and I am free to say you're an asshole to quote the very very terrific Lindy West like that's part of free speech Mm -hmm. yeah you can do whatever you want and I can say whatever I want about your thing Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. so um yeah that's that. I'm just going to check this really quickly and see what's... Uh, yeah, totally, because you have, you have a hot date waiting. Well, you know, Joe Paul Williams is uh, a wonderful teacher here in in New York, and um, we're going to go to the Botanic Gardens in Brooklyn. Oh, Which great. is a beautiful, beautiful place, and he's, he's minutes away. He's minutes away. Um, I wish I could but have you can. for longer, but... I, I want to talk to you for hours, I know. We'll have, can we do we'll this naked this next time? Oh, um, oh, it's yes. radio. It's podcast. We it are is. naked. We're totally naked. That's a lie. We're not naked. Well, we're naked underneath our clothes. That's true. I'm going to take off my sweater. Here you go. <laughs> I did pull my bra straps out of my, uh, of my dress, so, you know, that counts for something. <laughs> um, so... Where can people find you? I, I, I wish that we could talk for so Let's much longer. Let's do it. Let's make a time the next time. Uh, next time, we, next time I come or next time you're in Seattle, we will make time. I also, I, I also would love to do. A, I want to begin doing more roundtable discussions. Yes. And and especially around 
cultural appropriation because this there is are something. So many, I am not. I am not the expert not, on this. But you're also not the only one who it's is so sharing. Funny. And like myself, as a quote unquote privileged white woman, it's like to hear that you're called China Dell on the street. I mean, yeah, like that's you're shocked. Like, you're shocked, right? What? And I get that a lot. Like I've, I've actually. I, it's, it's so funny because sometimes when it's, um, it's, I don't talk about it every day, but it happens every day, pretty much. I mean, it's one thing or another, it, you know, like, oh, hey, China, or hey, Miss China, or, you know, but the China doll thing is so funny. The last time someone, I, I had posted about it, and it was always like, oh, that's so shocking. I'm so embarrassed, and I can't believe that happens. It's like, I can. Like, no Asian person will ever be surprised, but truly, like, my my dear wonderful friends who aren't Asian are always very very shocked. Like I can't believe that happens. It's like oh girl, I didn't even tell you that it happens every day. I <laughs> just today it happened to like bother me. Um, but yeah, I love talk. I love chatting with you. Like I know alone. we need to. We definitely need to do this more. So and more. I love you. But yeah, there's um so many people that if you are interested in this topic, like you know, Tangerine Jones is also who is my super, next guest. I'm going to be recording super, with her on smart Wednesday. And just um she's great. We're definitely going to be talking about that. She's she's great. I, I yeah. yeah, a lot of lot of great brains on this topic. But you know you don't hear a lot of people talking about it all the time because you know people get attacked. It's yeah. just like, it's, I mean, it's not exactly like, but it's similar to when people call, like this, this whole, the whole rape culture conversation and how women get death threats and rape threats just for saying, hey, this thing is bad. Yeah. I mean, I didn't get any threats like that, but I was, we, I was treated with a lot of vitriol mm-hmm. for saying, hey, if you want to educate yourself on blah, if you're interested in blah, I didn't even say you should you should read these articles. This is a bad thing. I just said, man, that was terrible for me. If you, if it was terrible for you or unsettling for you and you want to know why, here are some links, friends. Yeah. And I was treated with vitriol for that. I was like, oh, my God, this is ridiculous. Well, I mean, there's that saying that love brings up everything unlike itself. And, you know, when you start to introduce topics of a higher vibration into this energetic soup we call life and discourse, of course it's going to bring up the lowest stuff because that's what stands in the way of those people who have those opinions, you know, accepting and allowing in alternate ways of thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it's yeah, of course that's of course fun. that's going to happen. Now, where can people find you? Well... Well, dear listeners, <laughs> here's my podcast voice. <laughs> this is my, this is the voice I used to talk about buttholes. <laughs> um, um, why is this turning into the butthole podcast? Okay, so um, <laughs> maybe it's because your cat's buttholes. Oh, probably. Yeah, my cats have been. Um, so where can where can uh, you can find me on Twitter? At Shanghai Pearl, uh, at my website, theshanghaipearl.com. Um, Instagram, I'm all over. So if you Google the Shanghai Pearl, um, you should be able to find one of the ways that I engage with the internet. Um, and I look forward to seeing, being there on the internet. Yes, and more all that. and more and more. Um, my next shows are in Seattle. Um, when will those go up? Uh, today. Oh, geez, wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, my next show is in Seattle. Uh, let's see, I'll be at the Ballard Underground for Fertility Rights, and I will be at the Rebar for a very special show called Why Can't Tori Strip? A burlesque tribute to Tori Amos. Wow. Which is a very special show because uh, I have a lot of feelings about it in that I'll, I'll just give my little blurb, which is that it's 
uh, it's such an interesting thing for for me to be exploring this icon that informs a lot of my that was a big part of my formative years like this woman represented womanhood and sex and like you know for you know teenager like my teenage years to young adulthood and and then during that time you're so vulnerable right oh yeah and then as an adult woman now investigating my own womanhood and having some grasp on my own womanhood and then exploring that time and exploring what she meant to me then and what she means to me now like I hadn't listened to music in in a very long time but when Jojo Stiletto and and Stella Stiletto told me about the show I was like oh and I started listening to music that I was listening then and I was like oh this is very interesting there's all these really um fascinating dichotomies that um I'm exploring with the show so it's it's very special it's going wow. to be very special. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, for all of you guys in Seattle, be sure to check that out and definitely check Shanghai out on the interwebs. And uh, dear sweet girl, thank you so much. Thank you this so much. This has been amazing. And I can't wait to have you back as a guest when I can when we can really talk when you don't have to go see a beautiful garden in the middle of a beautiful sunny I day. I love you so much. Thanks you. for listening, thank everyone. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you, Sorry listeners. for all the butthill jokes. <laughs> I don't think you're sorry, Shanghai. I'm not. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, my love. Thank you. And there you have it, folks. My very short, sweet, truncated interview with the beautiful Shanghai Pearl. By all means, check her out online. I am going to be posting a link to her article on cultural appropriation on the podcast page. So by all means, go check us out at lunchwithlegs.com if you are tuning in from iTunes. If you're tuning in from the website, just go ahead and read all the comments and uh, be sure to read her interview, or rather article. It's a good one. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and I just appreciate you guys so much. Thank you. Have a beautiful week, and I look forward to bringing you a brand new episode next week. Take care, guys. Be good to you. Bye. Want some lunch for your ears? Lunch with legs.